Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. The first day of training is when I realized, oh, this is why they win the league every year. When I, I spoke with Kevin, if I'm going to sign or no for Olympiakos, I said, you're a pretty good deal, like my friend. I can't speak, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're tuning in from. We are Gate 7 International, your number one English source for all things Olympiacos, your international home for the red and white. Legend, my name's Costa. I'm joined by the other Costa. Also Costa. Also Costa. How are you doing? I'm good. All the, all the better for hosting a show with you. It's been a while since it was just the two of us. Yes, sir. And just watching that introduction again, I, uh, I was thinking, yeah, it's probably overdue a bit of a, um, let's say, a refresher. And in particular, I think we need to we need to add this guy into the intro again. Uh, this is just a, a self selfless plug again for those of you that missed the interview with Jose Olivas. A real um, how can I even describe that interview? Just one that you can't miss. A man that did not hold back on anything. Real fun interview. You can find that on our YouTube channel, and it's available also on audio podcasts a few things to get through before we dive into the Olympiakos standard liege game and entertain housekeeping housekeeping yeah. we call it housekeeping but we had a six goal thriller if you can call it that it was a friendly six goals and we're going to talk about that and get into our analysis and overview of the mini training camp mid-season training tour whatever you want to call it that took place in sunny Marbella in the south of Spain. But before we do get that, a couple of housekeeping things. First thing, a big thank you to our sponsors at betus.com. Guys, if you're a betting man, I have to say that the odds that you can find on BetUS are some of the best, if not the best that I've seen. I shit you not. <laughs> Head over to betus.com.pa. They've put some really good betting lines, obviously, to try and attract you away from some of the other competitors. Go and check them out at betus.com.pa. You can use the promo code GATE7INTL as it is there on the screen, and you can get a 125% boost on your deposit. So if you put 100 bucks, you will have 225 bucks in your account to bet. Don't forget, please bet responsibly thank you again to bet us and olibiakos dc this is one of the academy teams of olibiakos in uh, based out of dc in the united states they are through to the upsl division finals in the us it's the third time in a row that they reached the upsl division finals just to contextualize that this is fourth Amazing. Fourth division US football. That's one division below the pro leagues. So, mm -hmm. what happens if they win? If they win tonight, they go and play on the national stage. Yeah. 
So they will be playing up against the best, the other best clubs in the country in the United States. They play at midnight tonight. Uh, that's Central European time, 6 p.m. US Eastern Standard. If anybody's up, you don't have anything to do tonight. If you fancy going and watching the boys online, leaving a few comments, you can check them out. It's going to be live streamed here at Gate 7 International at midnight, Central European time, 1 o'clock Greek time. Give some support, show some love to the boys. And speaking of showing some love, you're joining us tonight. Hit that like button. It really helps to spread, get the algorithm going, find more Olympiakos fans around the world. If you're new to the channel, if you're following, joining for the first time, we're Gate 7 International, your international and English source for all things Olympiakos. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, more great content coming along. Like that Holevas interview. Go to the playlist. There are more. We've talked to Zé Elias. Dudu, Zilek, yes, Nikopolidis. And on audio, you can catch Yanakopoulos, Matt Derbyshire yeah. as well. Those are available on audio. Before we started doing YouTube interviews or before we had a YouTube channel, you can catch those episodes with Yanakopoulos, Matt Derbyshire on audio podcast. That's available on our uh, on Spotify, Apple, wherever you like to listen and download your podcasts. All right. Did I miss something, Costa, from the housekeeping? Uh, Perez International. Big up Perez International. If you're looking to ship from the US or from Greece, check out www.perezintl.com. Whether you're looking to ship goods, uh, marble, whatever, Perez International are your guys. So big up Perez International once more. Thank you for all the support. I suppose we can get a few transfer things out of the way right quick yeah, sure. because we've had some developments today. Gosta, what have we got? Well, I mean, first of all, uh, Leonardo Kutris has left Olympiacos. Uh, quite a strange one, this. Uh, Leonardo Kutris joined from Pasiana in 2017. Uh, he was seen as one for the future, someone that uh, would become a focal point at Olympiacos and maybe you know he would have been sold to a big club for a lot of money, one of those Greek players. Uh, that didn't exactly work out. He joined Olympiacos, quickly fell out of favor uh, in, uh, because, of course, Asimikas had a really serious injury. Uh, was sent out to Mallorca on loan where he had another serious injury. Came back, was sent to Fortuna Düsseldorf, couldn't really regain his old self. Uh, couldn't really make a case for the starting lineup this season, even though there's Ole Krebchuk, who's not exactly Olympiacos' greatest ever left back. And now he's left for Pogon. Uh, where he's going to continue his career there. Uh, so, Leonardo Kutri is no longer part of Olympiacos. Yeah, and we wish him all the best in this new endeavor. I believe he signed a three and a half year contract. That's with... a, yeah, that's what I have. Yeah, three yeah, and three and a half year contracts with Pogon. Pogon. I mean. He's one of those players. He was unlucky with injuries. He then fed on Gostatsimikas, who got into the lot starting lineup and made that position his. He was loaned out to Mallorca, got injured at Mallorca, that ACL injury. And I think it's been a decline since then. I think that he perhaps could have done a, a job as a depth option, but he never really got the opportunity. He got one start. I think it was under Gorberan in a match against Bazianina at home. 
didn't look too bad, uh, but we never saw him again. So it's the best for him to, you know, take it somewhere else. And sincerely, you know, Leonardo Gutierrez, thank you for the memories. In particular, you know, the mind goes to that picture of him at the AC Milan game, kind of, you know, in in tears, the emotions running high and that dramatic win that, that took Olympiacos through to the next round in, in Pedro Martins's first season. Yep. So, yeah, that's the news for Leonardo Cutris. There was also some news about Avila, Gonzalo Avila, that there was potentially a club, I think again from Poland, looking at him. I don't know how much truth there is to this. Uh, we've heard a lot of things being said about Gonzalo Avila in the past week or so. He obviously he hasn't travelled to Spain. Yeah. Um, and on the inbound front, there have been some rumours about a striker coming in. There was um, Fortuna Düsseldorf, Polish striker that was in the papers the other day. Today, yeah. Ross Stewart from Sunderland has been mentioned. I'm, pe- I'm personally not paying too much mind to yeah. all of this transfer stuff. I don't know, Gosta, if you've got anything fresh or anything noteworthy on your end, inbound-wise. Well, I mean, first of the outbound, a little bit about uh, Avila, Gonzalo Avila, is that the fact that he didn't join Olympiacos in the uh, mid-season training or warm weather camp, if you want to call it, uh, it doesn't look like um, like he's a, especially part of Mitzel's plans, probably fell out of favor. I wouldn't be surprised if it was that Panathinaikos game that did it for him. I, I know there's a lot of a lot of opinions about that penalty, but still, I mean, that move, at this time, the fact that the, the ball was going out for a, a free throw. I was talking to a friend of mine, and we're, I, I was telling him, like, if, if that Doctor Strange fella from uh, the Avengers sat down and looked into all the universes in which Ioannidis gets to the ball before it goes out for a free throw, he wouldn't find a single universe. Like, Avila could have just sat there with his thumb up his ass, and the ball would have still gone out for a free throw. But anyway, I think that's the game that really did it for him. I don't think Avila is part of Mitzel's plans in any capacity, which is why Rodney is coming to Olympiacos from Flamengo. Rumors suggesting that he signed a three-and-a-half-year deal with Olympiacos as well as a free agent, left Flamengo. And it looks like he's coming to become the first the starting right-back, especially after Sime Bresalico left. Uh, create some questions. Who's going to be his backup? Maybe maybe Marius Vursay, because he had two assists already at the, in Marbe, in Spain, Marbega, if I'm not mistaken, they're at. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I know about Rodney's coming to Olympiacos. Other than that, yes, I've heard the rumors about a striker. But based on what we're seeing right now in uh, Spain, maybe a centre-back is in order as well. We'll get to uh, more. We'll get to more. We'll get to more in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's the perfect moment to kind of transition into the game today against Andalierge. It was a special one as well because you had... Philip Zinkenago and the opposing team. And I think for me in particular, I was anticipating this game, not just for that, but I think that gave it that kind of extra something interesting to watch, you know, see how, how Zinkenago does against his, his, uh, his teammates. He's obviously out there on loan until the end of the season. Anything can happen. He played in the second half, but we, I mean, we can get to that. Let's take things one step at a time. We played, um, Jesus, we played Huddersfield the other day in a comfortable, comfortable win. And today was really, you know, playing against a much, much better team. Uh, Huddersfield are lying bottom 
of the English Championship. And we were playing a team today, Standard Liège, who are sixth in in Belgium. They've had some some big wins. They've been a bit, you know, up and down, a bit inconsistent. But it was a, a very physical, very fast-paced, friendly game today. And I think it's important that we had that sort of test against a physical team, an athletic team. We've struggled against those kinds of teams, not just this season in general. And Mitchell took a different approach today. He set up the team in a 4-3-3 with Ole Grabchuk returning at left back. Mario Vrusai getting the nod at right back and the centre-back pairing remaining unchanged. So Andreas Doi and Panagiotis Retos. Pascalakis came in goal. He didn't play in the last game. And then he tried a midfield trio of Paitim Kasami, Yanem Villa and Agibu Kamara, who started a second match in succession. And then he played no striker up front. He played Pep Biel as a false nine, Gary Rodriguez on the right and Yorgos Masuras on the left. So immediately... He probably from... watches Gate 7 International, Mitzel. Because by of the false Biel. nine? Yeah, by playing Pep Biel as a false nine. Honestly, Costa, like, I, I, it, it was another one of those interesting things to watch in the first half today, how Biel does as a false nine, because we've never seen him play as a false nine at Olympiagos. And finally, he had the opportunity today. It's a friendly match. It's an opportunity for the, the coach to experiment, try new things. But honestly, there was just a distinct lack of creativity in the side in, in the first half. And yes, we were playing against a much better team than than Huddersfield, but there was no build-up from the wing-backs. Um, Masuras got into some good positions, didn't finish. He had a few shots. Uh, Gary Rodriguez had a shot on goal. But, I you know, ideally you want to see Pep Biel play with, play with Fortunis, play with uh, James. You know, play a false nine when he's playing with the starting players. Um, so the, the first half for me was a bit drab. I, I I don't know, like I don't know when you have players like Jan Villa and Paitim Kasami, they're both quite heavy, they're not the fastest. So if we don't succeed in the press, which I think that was what we tried to do in the first half. Like we 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 had fast players up the top of the pitch, and Agibu Kamara playing a little bit in front of Mvila and Kasami, trying to steal the ball. Did quite well at that, like stealing the ball high up the pitch and trying to create situations and from un, you know forced errors from the opposition. But I don't. Do you think we're ever going to see that Kasami and and Mvila with Huang possibly? Like, what's your take on that? I was reading it at Sport uh, Sport 24 today that apparently this might be the plan of, of having a 4-3-3 with Kasami, uh, Huang and then Villa in, uh, in midfield. Uh, we were talking before the show that uh, Olympiacos already have two players that are on their way back from the World Cup and those are uh, Pierre Kunde and uh, Papa Busise after Cameroon and Senegal were eliminated. Senegal were eliminated today uh, after losing to England. Uh, and also the Huangs might be on their way back. It's coming home, yes. Uh, the Huangs might be coming uh, as well tomorrow night or the next morning. 
because uh, they're playing Brazil, unless they pull off, you know, another giant slaying kind of performance, which is good for Olympiacos. You know, it's good to have the players back uh, with not without a lot of fatigue, uh, without a lot without any injuries as well. Although Inbom still has time to get injured, uh, hopefully not. So uh, that that's something that is being discussed right there. Uh, as for the rest, really, uh, the thing about Mitzel right now is that he's not looking to to win any ma- any friendly matches. He's just trying to improve uh, uh, performances. He wants to, and more importantly, he wants to improve on fitness. Those are the two more the two priorities Mitzel has right now. Other than that, he has so many players. He needs to find what works. What works in midfield? What works in uh, in attack? What works in defense? What are the the pairs that work? Uh, right now, there's, there are problems in defense, and uh, Stadar exposed them. Poor positioning and poor marking that led to Stadar's three goals. Another issue that still remains with Olympiacos is that they keep conceding late. Uh, Stadar scored their final goal in the 90th minute. Uh, so that, that still remains, that little problem right there. And in my opinion, the biggest problem Olympiacos have right now is mentality and confidence. There's an, there, there, there's an intense England-like feeling at Olympiacos right now where they, it seems like they don't, they don't believe they can pull off a big victory, like something's going to go wrong like it always does kind of thing. That's how Olympiacos remind me of England right now. So that's something that needs to be, um, to be fixed. I'm not going to lie to you, Costa. Like, it really feels to me that that victory over Huddersfield, Olympiacos beat, that's the first time Olympiacos beat a significant opponent since last season, really, isn't it? Within 90 minutes. Would you call Huddersfield a significant opponent, though? Because, like... They're, they're better than Ionikos. They're better than Lamia. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, but they're not significant opponents. But my, my point is, I heard a lot of the, you know, chatter after the game. It's like, Libyakos played well. Yeah, we played well. And you can say that we've failed to put in a performance like the one against Huddersfield, against the, the minnows in the Greek league. And we created opportunities. And that, you know, that game could have been 5-0. Bakambu should have had a hat-trick. And Fortunis like, assists to go with it. But I think... You know, one might say the is is the Huddersfield game kind of you know papering over cracks. I, my immediate reaction to the Huddersfield game was that we shouldn't read into it too much. We're going to see like where we're at today against a team like Standard Liège, which is a good team playing in a very competitive league, as is the Belgian league. And you know, like I said, the, the first half for me was very experimental. And the second half was closer to what I think we're going to see moving forward. We saw three goals in the second half, Costa. Haven't seen three goals in I don't know how long. An Olympiacos team scoring three goals, and it could have been more. Again, Bakabu missed a couple of opportunities. Um, we had missed a lot of opportunities, and he did the same with Huddersfield. That's a bit worrying, yeah, right there. At least one of them. At least one of them he put away today. There was another one. Fortuny set him up um, after a really nice exchange down the left-hand side, cut back from Costa, and then he was in front of the goal, side-footed it, keeper made a good save, to be honest. But but again, you worry about him not being clinical enough. And then you've got El Arabi. El Arabi gets, got, he got a couple of goals today. Um, in terms of the defence, because I've heard a lot of the criticism... In the first half, 
to be honest with you, like the Doi Retsos partnership for me is something I would like to see more. Yeah, and we've got the must, game against, must. We've got the game against Forest, another friendly. Then we play Atromitos in the cup on the 15th. And then uh speaking of Forest fans, Doron Tour is asking when are we gonna do our preview? So let's get on. Let's get on the DMs, do we can sort that out and we can do a yeah. little preview. Let's, let's see do if that, door. Us, Let's see if any of us actually end up going to Athens for that. For yeah, that well, game. Hopefully. Yeah, no, maybe yeah, a surprise. No, maybe a surprise coming. Yeah, but no, do, no, we'll, we'll, we'll get in touch with you about, about doing a preview. Um, the first goal, Costa, was in the first half. It was from davida these the, the young israeli i think it was yeah. down the right hand side he he got the ball on oleg's side he skipped past kasami and then he, he bended the shot around redsos and into the corner keeper could do nothing but oh, he could have he could have died he could have, he could have lunged he could have lunged i mean if you do you remember the goal joe campbell scored against united of course you do yes you, you remember rio ferdinand like turning like this and trying to block the ball. But Edsos did exactly the same thing today, and the ball just went round him and into the corner. Keeper couldn't do keeper couldn't do anything for me. He could dive, but he's not he's not getting to that. Maybe anyway, he was surprised. Maybe he didn't expect the shot. I would I, I'll accept that. The defender was also kind of like in front of his line of vision, huh? And the and the, the ball was bended perfectly into the other corner. So that's one nil. Um second half for me, first of all. Uh, this gentleman, Andreas Doi, goes off injured. Just to let everyone know, uh, don't freak out because it looks like Andreas Doi is okay. Nothing serious. The injury was uh, like a knock to the knee and him coming off was more of a precaution. And speaking of legendary centre-backs, who's the man on the right there? Uh, before I ask, I mean, Costa knows who it is. Anybody in the comments? Who's that on the right-hand side? That is none other than... Who is it, Costa? Well, that is uh, either the either the, either the best or the second-best centre-back Olympiacos ever had. It is between all of... It is between this guy, I said his name already, and Martin Novoselats, who's, uh, who's very old school. Martin Novoselats was what Olof Melberg, this gentleman over there, was to our generation an incredible uh, defender, uh, an absolute luxury Olympiacos had at centre back, a, a Swedish legend, former Juventus player, Aston Villa legend, one of the best defenders of all time, and hopefully, you know, hopefully, some, hopefully, some energy was passed in that uh, in that gesture over there, in that uh, high five over there, that handshake. I mean. That's a very nice picture there. Uh, Avram Papadopoulos and Melberg, that duo was fantastic. One of the best that I've seen at Olympiacos. Maybe the best, some will argue. Let's not get into that. I think we've had that conversation on this. On one that, that was the best centre-back pairing in Olympiacos history. Avram Papadopoulos and Olof Melberg. You know what? Um, Rafik Jibor did an interview with Sport24. Uh, I've been listening to it bits and pieces and they asked him like who's his who's his favorite teammate at Olympiacos and guess who it was I didn't watch the interview guess who do you think he said 
but I think Djibouti, favorite teammate of all time. Yeah. At Olympiacos, like his favorite Olympiacos teammate. I was going to say Jamel Abdoun, but something tells me this is a bit of a, a, a trick question. So, you know what? I'm going to say Avram Papadopoulos. Yeah, well, he's in the picture. So, he said <laughs> Avram. Avram Papadopoulos was his favorite teammate. He said because because of the the fighting spirit the mentality the way he was is like he he felt like he, he was somebody that he wanted to take into battle with him uh he said that about Avram Papadopoulos and I'm just bringing that up because his his mug is in the picture there <laughs> so yeah no nice to see Olaf Melberg dropping in to to check out his his old team, what a fantastic player. Yeah, we would love to have a centre-back like that. What we wouldn't give to have a centre-back like that at our club uh, right now. Moving on. Second half was much better, Costa. Like like I said, three goals in the second half. Some changes. Um, but just to wrap up on the defence, before I forget. The defence was Galogeropoulos and Envila. That was the second... That, that was the centre-back pairing. Which we're never going to see again. In this exactly. Like, when are, when are we that. ever going to see that centre-back pairing ever again? It's like, a lot of the emphasis has been on the leak, on the leaking the goals uh, in the second half and the defence and it's worrying. And yes, you don't like to concede three goals. You don't like to concede a last-minute goal. Both goals, uh, you know, the striker, Ohio, he got in front of both Galogeropoulos and and another i think i think it was i think it was um bloody oh who was it Vrusai. he got in front of them for the set for the second goal and then the third goal again he's just you know striker's goal um, one touch three three right at the death you don't like to see that but 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 realistically it's something we're never going to see again so i'm a little less i'm a little less worried about that because I think you know you see Socrates and Doe, you see Socrates and Retzos. Incidentally, I thought, um, what do you think of Retzos? I, I know like you and I both like him, like we remember what he was before we sold him, the prospect of how could how good he could be. Like, what do you think? Do you think that do you think that we can get the best out of Retzos? I do hope so. I do believe Olympiacos have what it takes to bring him back to at least close to uh, the player that he was before he left Bayer Leverkusen. In a way, maybe Retsus was the kind of player that was rushed a little too much as well. I remember when he started Olympiacos in the same season, he was named captain. That was a strange decision. He, he actually Benta. played a game as captain. Yeah, under Bento. That was really strange, bringing in the 17-, 18-year-old on his first season, and all of a sudden he's a captain. What? Jesus, really? Uh, but then again, that was a strange squad. He's had a lot of injuries, that kid. He's been very unlucky. Uh, so I, I'm not too sure where he is exactly right now physically because he also had an injury with Olympiacos now on his return. I'm not too sure where he is at mentally, but it would make a lot more sense to build on the Retzos and Doi than to continue with Papastathopoulos and Doi. Although, you know, this season is very strange, so maybe just finish this season with Papastathopoulos and Doi because it works. But when it comes to next season, make a lot more sense to have Rezzo, to build on Retzos and Doi. Kalogeropoulos is too young and too inexperienced still, although he played really well against Nantes uh, at the Karaiskaiki Stadium. 
a bit, uh, just a little bit of that same, uh, of the Matthijs de Ligt character, I saw in Kalogeropoulos, you know, that guy who acted like he was a lot more experienced than his age. Just a little bit, tiny little bit. I'm not comparing him to Matthijs de Ligt. He just had, he just reminded me a little bit of de Ligt. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if that doesn't work, I could definitely see Olympiacos going for a centre-back this summer. They did go for Denier last summer, and that didn't work out. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for one in January. It would make a lot of sense because there is a problem in defense right now. Olympiacos are quite solid from midfield onwards, especially in attack. A lot of uh, a lot of um, options for the uh, number 10 and the number 9 role, problems in the wings. So I wouldn't be surprised if a centre-back comes in. Yeah, I think that signing a centre-back is contingent on what happens with Cissé. Um Basic in, in basic English, I think if we sell Cissé, I think we'll sign a centre-back. If we don't sell Cissé, I'm not so sure. But we're not even into the official transfer window yet. The transfer window no. officially opens no. January 1st. So let's see, let's see what happens. Um Lagis Gavalas is asking us about Galo Yeropoulos. What do we see in him? What potential? I think Costa, Costa, you gave your opinion. For me, I I'm not. I still think he lacks a lot of experience. I think the best thing for him is to be loaned out to a club where he's guaranteed playing time, preferably abroad. Why not even Holland? Second second division Germany, even like just to to play and man up and gain experience and become more professional. I think he had a good game against Nantes too. I think very good game, very good game. Is he has like this kind of confidence, like that is beyond his years. I would say. Matthijs de Ligt effect. The Matthijs de Ligt characteristic. Like, he was 16 when he made his debut with um, Pedro Martins. I'm just checking how old he is. He's 18. Yeah. He's 18. Um, playing Olympiacos, uh, playing centre-back at Olympiacos can be complicated too. You have to play a high line. Um, it's not not the easiest job in the world. Let's see. It's still still very early. Um, I think Costa and I both agree that it's a player that needs to go needs to go out on loan. Yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, youngsters. I mean, it's, me and Marcial talked about it about a while back. Like Jolike is another player who needs to go out yeah. on loan, definitely, and play start. Yeah, definitely. No, he didn't play today. He played the second half against against Huddersfield. Um, but going back to the game today, second half was second half was very nice to watch. In in my opinion, the manager made quite a few changes, and you know, in particular, I thought Mario Vrusai upped his game in the yeah. second half. In the first half, I thought both wing backs were. Brusai, I barely noticed him in the first half, to be yeah. honest. And Oleg, uh, Oleg was Oleg. Neither hot nor cold. But then second half, Mario Brusai makes a fantastic move. I mean, great feet down the right-hand side, beats two, three defenders, puts in a nice cross for El Arabi, who gets the, the equaliser, I think it was, and Hallo. Costa's cat, for those of you yeah. that can see Costa's cat's tuning in live. Hello, Costa's cat. Um, 
<laughs> but anyway, and Vrushai could have had two assists today. There was another one down the right-hand side where he played a low cross into El Arabi. It was just an inch in front of him. The keeper got to it. But that's two games and two assists from Mario Vrushai. Yes. Who I think has pipped Thanasis Andrutsos. Oh, yes, sir. No, he's pipped Thanasis Andrutsos to that spot on the right-hand side. We'd been reading that he's overtaken him in the in the manager's mind, and I think we saw why today. Um, who else caught the eye? Now, I have asked the question in the poll, who caught your eye the most during mid-season tour in Spain? Um, I mean, we have to... We have to talk about about Marcelo today, don't we? I thought he was a goner. I I honestly thought he was a goner. Uh, well, he he's been playing more. He played for almost an hour against Huddersfield. He played for just over twenty minutes, if I'm not mistaken, against uh, Sadar Liège. Uh, played as a left back in mid season. He's playing as a left back, whereas uh, during the season, the first half of the season, he played more of like a weird central midfielder more of a number six uh very good in, in attack problems on uh, on his defending though uh he, he he produced two assists today uh really good game by marcelo uh obviously his um his confidence is sky high now he's in a very good mood because his son enzo signed his first contract with real madrid at the age of 13. uh so, yeah, I mean, this is his second chance. He is getting what he needed, which was a preseason with Olympiacos. Uh, I think uh, there is a sense of they want to give him the chance. There is a sense that they want to see what he can do if he regains his, uh, his uh, confidence. It's obvious that he has an influence uh, backstage in the sense that people look up to him, like his word, his word means something, what he says means something. He can be kind of a motivator as well. Definitely, he could be a focal point at least, you know, um, at least, you know, backstage, you know, to help lift spirits because of his success with Real. Yeah, some really good performances. Like, but like I said, like he was good moving forward, not that good uh, at the back. And if I'm not mistaken, at some point Fortunis played at the left, and that was a pretty good partnership, wasn't it, Costa? <laughs> I mean, in a sense, that it'd be much better to have Marcelo and Costas Fortunis, a non-winger, playing on the wings. Uh, the, for the second half of the season, isn't it? Yeah, I think somebody somebody tweeted at me about this. I, I mean, I, I tweeted, I think, into the second half, like how much of a difference it was in the second half. N- night and day, like Marcelo and Fortunis on the left-hand side compared to yeah. Oleg and, and, and Jorgos Masuras. Like, we were lacking creativity in the first half, but then the second half you had... Hammers on the pitch. You had Marcelo on the pitch. You had Fortunis on the pitch. You had Bakabu and El Arabi. Uh, and the ball movement in the second half was really a joy to watch. The second and the third goal, they're you know they're, they're well worked moves. Organomenes epithesis in Greek. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the third goal it started on the right hand side. Uh, I think Vrusai had the ball. It's gone out to Bukalakis. Bukalakis has open space in front of him. And you're thinking for a moment, he's got space to shoot. And then he, he knocks it out wide to Marcelo. Marcelo puts in a, a, a cross on a silver platter for El Arabi. And El Arabi gets a header and he puts it into the corner. And it's a beautiful goal. And and the second goal too is a through ball from, from James Rodriguez 
that finds its way to to Marcelo and then you know into in, into Bakabu. Lovely, like really nice, nice football that we haven't seen, that we haven't seen. And defensively, yeah, he's not, he doesn't have the pace to to get back to track or keep up with the faster players. But he play he, at this age anyway. He has to play with his head. He has yeah. to play with his experience and use his experience to make up for the lack of pace. You hope that he improves his fitness via this process, this mini mid-season camp in Spain and, the, you know, the friendly against Forest. He played 60 minutes against Huddersfield. Yeah. Marcelo. And then he got that knock and he came off. And today he's had 30, 35 minutes on the pitch. Yes, he's going to have problems against classier opponents, like, you know, wingers that have pace, that run at defenders. Um, Standard had a couple of those today. Honestly, I didn't, I don't think he, there were situations today one-on-one where he got exposed. The more, the problem is just when we're in transition and he's high up the pitch, he can't get back. That's why you yeah. need a player like Samaseku, someone that can sweep up and come from the midfield and slot into that left hole. When he goes forward, you've got to make sure someone's there and giving some protection to the team. I think it's a it's a tactical question because what Marcelo brings to the team in the in the final third above the halfway line is night and day isn't even the right expression when you compare to Oleg. Is really just what what are we talking about here? It's Marcelo we're talking about. His class and his quality is undeniable when he's on the ball, like when he needs to play a one-touch pass, or just the accuracy, the amount of times we've seen him play a, a cross-field ball, you know, a diagonal 35-yard ball to feet or like into the right space for the winger to run into. We saw that the only time he played in Greece as a left-back was against Lamia, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Sounds about like right, yeah. yeah. Sounds it's about the right. only game that he played as a left-back, he came on as a sub, and you're right, Costa, every other time he came on they tried to protect him They're like he needs to he was playing um number six mid. number six number eight kind of yeah. weird role yeah yeah like center mid or like out on the left but not really on the left and it was it was weird it's like we bought him to play left back i think what we've seen from him in pre-season is positive definitely one of the positive sorry not pre-season mid-season yeah. what we've seen is positive from him um, I have to say that after the Panathinaikos thing where he he wrote on socials that, oh, I'm fit and blah, blah, blah. I don't know why I haven't been picked. I thought he was done. Yeah, I thought he was done. But it would be such, such a communications nightmare for Olympiakos if Marcelo would be a flop. Yeah. That they've given him this opportunity to show in Spain that he has something to give. And, I mean, he's done it today against a good team. Like, Standard has good players, like fast yeah. players. He, he did well. He can play a role. Again, in, in Greece, in the Greek league, 
come on, has to play. We've had problems creating. Our XG is so low. Like, we don't have Ari on the show, but, like, what's our our average XG must be below 1.5. Like, um, we'll ask Ari to give us those numbers. But you need a player like Marcelo. You need a player like Marcelo. I'm going to go to the comments to see what, what have we got here. Are people chiming in? But I couldn't agree more with you on Marcelo. Like, this is a player that... It has to work. It, it, it would be a communication nightmare if this guy becomes a flop. If this guy becomes a flop, that we're talking Dimitar Berbatov, Michael Essien type of flop right here, if this guy doesn't work out. And like you said, like, yeah, absolutely. He, he showed a lot of promise with, uh, with Stadar. A decent team, uh, Stadar. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy that could really do something in Greece. So, yeah, Marcelo definitely. What's Marcelo definitely what? We believe in him. That means they be we believe in him. The, I think what uh, what look at my ISDC is saying is one of the one of the better players that we've seen during during preseason. Okay, yeah, agree, agreed with that. Yeah, Olibe, I got social media. Keep upload stuff with Marcelo, and after this game, I doubt he leaves. Yeah, uh, me too. I, I I think after today's performance as well, and I think he'll play against Forest too. That'll be a good test. That that will be a good test against That'll Forest. Be something absolute. That will be something. Yeah, like uh, Gavalas with a comment. No, the whole defense has to move left to fill Marcelo's gap, and the midfielder has to slot in the right back space. It depends what side of the pitch the ball's on, mate, or where the ball's moving. So yeah, it could be the the, the midfielder has to slot in on the left or on the right. Either way, if you play with two centre midfielders that are holding and one can slot in on one side, the other on the other, depending on the situation during the game. But yeah, I think we've we've talked a lot about Marcelo and it yeah, it merited it merited discussion because there was talk about him potentially leaving, like Simavalco. Yeah. But I think after today it's safe to say Marcelo is going to be staying at the club. Don't forget, this is a player that signed a one plus one contract. Yeah. So he has a contract until the end of the year with the option to extend it for another year. Uh, I think I'm I'm clear. I think in the Greek league we have to we have to see more from him, and I think we will uh, we will see more. Uh, this is a, a challenging question we've received from from Yorgos Halgas. We'll address that in a minute before. Before we do that, again, guys, if you're tuning in for the first time, we're Gate 7 International, your number one English source for all things Olympiagos. Don't forget to like, hit the like button, give us a thumbs up if you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss any future episodes about your favourite, our favourite team. Uh, let me go back to that question. So, Yorgos Kalkias wants us to... Pick a starting lineup for after the World Cup. That's a challenging one. That's very challenging. Are we are we ready to do that now, or do you want to? I'm ready. I can answer. I, I can answer this question with what I think I'm going to see and what I want to see. Yeah. What I think we're going to see. Uh, hmm. I'm kind of thinking uh, of a four-two-three-one type of thing. I think he's going to insist on the four-two-three-one. Paschalakis in goal, Rodney at, on the right, and Oleg on the left because life sucks and then you die. 
Centre-back, Papastathopoulos and Doi. Midfield and Villa with Huang. Uh, and then we got the wings. He's going to go with something like Biel definitely on the wing because apparently it works, which it doesn't. Masuras on the other side. Biel behind Bakambu. What I would like to see would be a 4-2-3-1. I'm okay with either Paschalakis or Vatslik when he comes back. So let's keep Paschalakis in there. Rodney on the right, Leitner on the left. Papastathopoulos uh, and Doi because it works. That's the centre-back pairing that works. Uh, Huang and then Villa in midfield. Uh, on the right, I would have Bowler. On the other side, I would have James. And Biel behind Bakambu. That would be my lineup. Okay. Well, for me, I'm not confident. I'm not confident. <laughs> no. Look, we the first seven games that we have are games that we should be winning. This has been commented on on the radio as well. Uh, we don't have a like a big derby game for the first seven. The first seven are games that normally Olympiacos makes a run and gets seven wins. And if you can get seven wins, you know things can. Things can change. I think Panathinaikos is playing Aris, home or away. I think they, they've got two tough games in the first seven that we have. Uh, they play Ayak. I think they play Aris. Well, so I, I think if you're looking to play teams that are, you know, t- teams we should should be beating comfortably, you put out an attacking lineup. Yeah. So for me, my starting lineup is Pascalakis in goal. Rodine on the right, even though I've never seen him play. I think he he's coming he, as a he's coming as a starter. Yeah, but he won't play until January. Yeah. So he won't play two two league games. He won't play in the cup. He'll miss three games. There are three official games uh, before January. So Vrusai mm-hmm. Vrusai will play as the starting right back. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be Vrusai, yeah. For me. And then I think Andreas Doi definitely has one of the of the shirts of the starting 11 and then it's between Retos and Socrates. Socrates is a rhythm player. He needs he needs to be fully fit. I think if Retos puts in a good performance against Forest, Retos has a good chance of starting. On the left, I'm going to say Marcelo. If Marcelo's fit... That's something I never thought I would ever hear you say, ever. If Marcelo's fit, he plays. For me, he plays. I, I, I'm I'm so done with Ole Grejabchuk. The guy's a survivor, <laughs> like, but I'm so done. Like, like just... I had that feeling today in the game against Liège. It's like, we don't have any build-up from our wing-backs. And against Huddersfield, yeah, against Huddersfield, we had that. There was build-up from the wings. And you're playing against lower, like, you know, just you have to play him. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Like, is it a U-turn from my part? I've been quite cautious, huh? I never said this was going to be an amazing transfer. We you know, we had our doubts about, you know, he's he's older, he's not in good physical condition. But you know, based on what we've seen today in the last game, like, he has to play. 
I play him. He starts. My biggest disappointment with Marcelo, one thing I was really hoping with the Marcelo transfer would be that Oleg would finally up his game. Like Oleg would finally understand that if I don't play well, I'm not going to play in this team. If, you know, no matter what happens, I'm not playing in this team. It never happened. I was hoping that this would be the moment a fire light lights under his ass and he would finally start getting things right. Didn't happen. You know what you're going to get from him. And I think it's, it's limit up, like limit up for Oleg. Him and Yorgos Masuras, they, I don't think they can improve anymore at Olympiacos. There's nothing, there's nothing more that they have to show me. I think they're both at their, you know, they've reached their peak and they're, they're either at the peak or they're, they're in decline. I think we should have sold Yorgos Masuras this summer. He hasn't scored a goal since September against Aris. Uh, and, and, okay, back to my starting 11. Juan and Villar, yes. James Rodriguez, yes. Costas Fortunis for me. Costas Fortunis for me is a starter. Which position? Which position? On one of the wings. Yeah. But but we saw today and we saw against Huddersfield, he when I think against Huddersfield, he had the creativity, like the the, the he was interlinking with Biel. He had a really good relationship with Biel in the first game. Today he was on the pitch when Biel came off. Hammers looked a bit stiff today. Yeah. He played a nice ball in for the second goal, but he looked a bit stiff. Costa for me has been the um, not the apocalypse of the mid-season tour. Not the revelation. Yeah, but he's been the one that has exceeded my you know expectation. Or was like, wow, you know, Costa looks in really good shape. And we've asked fans to vote who's caught your eye the most during mid-season tour in Spain. Options: Fortunis, Casami, Marcelo, other. 48% of you voted for Tunis, 22% so far, Kasami, uh, 26% of you, Marcelo. Mm. So I think it's, it's, you know, the majority is with Fortunis there. He looks in really good shape, man. Like, what do you think from what you've seen? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially uh, his goal against Huddersfield. Absolutely beautiful shot. <laughs> really rolling back the years there. I mean, I said it when I was, when when I came out with Martial, we did a little bit of a a, a keep sell loan kind of thing. Yeah. We did agree that it's time to go for Fortunis because you know the way I said it, it's like keeping Fortunis is like living with your ex. But the thing is that he is showing something in this midseason tour. He is uh, he is very active. He's in very good shape. Some really good movement, beautiful passing, clinical shots. Maybe there is something there. Maybe he could play in a situation of a 4-3-3. Maybe him and Biel behind Bakambu or or him and Hamas behind Bakambu, something like this. Maybe even maybe even in the in the mid maybe a midfield trio with him and Vila and Huang. And Vila is the six, Huang is the eight, him as the ten kind of thing. There is something there. There is something happening there. And like we said, the thing about what Mitzel is doing right now, he's not looking to to win friendlies he's looking to improve the performances see what works see what pairing works see, see what kind of chemistry he can create and and, and improve on uh, on uh, on uh, on fitness on personal fitness 
yeah, absolutely something there with uh, with Costas Fortunis. I don't expect to see him at his best from back in the day. But you know what? He, the way things are in Greece, you have nothing else to lose anymore. You can just go ahead and give him the opportunity. For me, he looks in really good shape. And I say it because Gary Rodriguez, on the one hand, is, you could argue, the best out-and-out winger that we have. There's something to be said about Josh Bowler, who we didn't see today, but he's a lone player. He doesn't belong to Olympiacos. We all know what Gary's fault is. Gary's fault or Gary's issue is he's made of glass. And he's a rhythm player. If he plays two, three, four games in a row, if he picks up rhythm and he's dangerous, he is the dangerous player. But then he gets injured. But then he gets injured. And you, yeah, it's, but, not, it's not a reliable option. Yeah, but also, also he doesn't he doesn't have the final pass though. Every time I see him trying to create a cross, he always hits a defender. The first defender that's in front of him. Fortunis could have had at least four assists in the last two games. And they were all for Bakabu, by the way. Yeah, they, but Bakabu has been having a bit of a disappointing uh, few performances. He's missed a lot of uh, important uh, important opportunities. Absolutely. But El Arabi... He got, no, he got one. He got one, but got it was one, one out of three. It was one but in El, three. But speaking about players who have, you know, really improved, El Arabi, three goals in two matches right now. He couldn't. He could. He couldn't get one from uh, from uh, 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 from one yard, man. And during the first half of the season, now here he is. You know, scoring three goals in two matches. There's another player that's uh, exceeding expectations right now. Just when you thought he's done, uh, exceeding expectations is uh, interesting wording for it when he's getting paid. The way I mean it. The way I mean it. People thought that he was a done. That he was done. Just a very quick one. Just a, I want to make a very quick point. Uh, on uh, this one, no Masuras. That's why Costas with a C is better than Costas with a K. The thing about Masuras is that what I said is <laughs> you asked me, I was asked, which is the lineup I think we're gonna see? Which is the lineup I would like in my lineup? Masuras wasn't in there, it was Bowler and Kamis on the wings. The lineup I think we're gonna see includes Masuras because I feel like uh, Mitzel is kind of uh, has his uh, has his few things. Has a few players he doesn't want to remove from the team. That's why I picked Masuras. Moving on. Just to clarify, also, I'm I'm more talking about what I would like to see. I agree with you. What what we would like to see as fans is you know it's very hard to get be in the manager's head. Masuras is one of those players, like it or not, all managers like him. Because his work rate, because the thing he sees yeah, good yeah. at. I just, like I said earlier, I think he's he's a player that, you know, there was a question in the chat, who I think again from Yorgos Kalkas about the players that we think are done, like, that need to move on. We had an episode. We had an episode. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did do a keep loan sell episode. Yeah. Go back. You can go back and watch that. Um I, I already said my opinion on on Masuras. I think he's one to one to go, but I don't think he will go this window. I think it will be a discussion again in the summer. Uh, he, kind of, he has that Lucas Vidra thing. Probably he tra- he's probably the kind of player that trains really really well, and they keep him. 
Like the, like the thing about Lucas Vidra from Palatineco is that he trained really, really well. In training, he was unbelievable. But when it came to the game, it just wasn't good enough. I think with Masuras, that's the kind of thing. Like he trains really, really well, probably. And but when it comes to the game, he's not as good as he is in training. He he's not like Vidra, but you know what I mean. Like you know, a player that trains yeah. really, really well, but when it comes to the big thing, the, the big game, he doesn't really show. Yeah, I just on on this question again from Jorgo Kunde, will a bid come in? Cisse, I think those are both players that Kunde hasn't been a good match. Olympiacos, I think um, I think it's best for both parties if he if he leaves. It's good for him, good for the club. We'll get some money in the coffers. Perhaps he say as much as I love him, I think it's time for him to go. Uh, I think again, one of those that's you know win win for for both parties. Uh, he has to be sold. He has to be sold. He's the kind of player that needs to be sold yesterday. Yeah. Mm. What else? He didn't play in the World Cup except for the first game against the Netherlands, so I'm not too sure how 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 far high his stock is right now. Yeah. Um, Nolan Linda Fox asks, "What's up with Leidner?" Okay, so Leidner played 35 minutes in the first game, uh, the first friendly against Huddersfield. Is essentially the first time he plays with the first team that 35 minutes he's never played with the first team before never yeah. didn't show much but uh, it, it's hard it's hard for young young left back and there's been a lot said that he's very good going forward i mean we've done a deep dive on him you can go back and watch that one of the playlists we have the scout reports that that, that ari does fantastic go and check that out we know this is a player that has good attacking ability going forward he can cross the ball pretty well from what we've seen some of the talk has been about his defensive frailties but but in all honesty like let's let's flip that on its head oleg is known for his defensive traits and less for his offensive yeah so what it's okay to say that Doran Leidner is good attacking, but he's not as good defending. But that you know, but then what about Oleg? Is he great going forward and great at defending? No. The the only way a player improves is that a little bit training, personal, team training, but the most improvement is gained via match experience. That's what Leidner doesn't have. There's been talk about a loan move, potentially. Yeah. If it looks like uh, Marcelo is keeping down a spot, then maybe that's the best thing for him, is to go out on loan, because he needs to be playing. He needs it's, to be playing. It's strange, though, because neither Corberan or Mitzel were... Uh, neither Corberan was keen on him. Mitzel is not keen on him as well. And we don't, and, we're and, not gonna... Where does this come from? Where does this come from? Mitchell's not keen on him. When when did he see him? When did he see him? When did he play? He had him on the, he had him in training, man. Yeah, yeah, but Enalito, when you play two games a week, you don't have time to experiment. That's one thing I'll give Mitchell. So when he came in, I'm not gonna start experimenting. Who's my left back? Oleg. I don't fuck around with the defense. Makes it see. 
Well, he uh, he did give Doi opportunities. That's a bit of an experiment, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, the, the, the situation at centre back is, was screwed and needed some kind of fix. And Doi was lucky in that we had a lot of injuries at the back and he came in that game. And yes, it was a gamble. He stuck with him. But on the left, you had a, a constant. You had a constant at left back. And a the other problematic guy, constant still, though. Did? Problematic, a very problematic constant, though, still on the left. For fans, I don't know. There's, there's something. There's something inside me that says Mitchell sees we have an issue at left back, because I don't know, like the amount of like misplaced passes or just just how poor Oleg can be in build up, mm-hmm. and I know Mitchell puts an emphasis on this in having good build-up from the back. I don't think his position is as, as certain. That's why my mind goes to Marcelo. I don't know what it is with Leidner. Like, like he hasn't played Costa. I haven't seen him play. I got a question for you. If, if Marcelo regains a third of what he was, I don't know, two years ago at Real, would you be happy with him at Olympiacos? Do you think he'd be a focal point to Olympiacos? Lagaganis. I think he was a focal a point today. A I third. Thought a, I thought today he was a focal point. I mean, he made two assists. It just the, 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 the I way... See what you mean. I, I try not to get carried away by friendlies, though. I, I try not to get not to, not to get too high or too low. Did it, the, intensity, the intensity that Standard Liège were playing with today in a friendly... It was a physical game. It was fast. It was up and down. There were fouls. Stadach could have had a player sent off, but the the the, the referee closed his eyes. Like Bakabu was through on goal, got pulled down, and no red, no no foul. Even it was a physical game. No, no, I absolutely hear you. But like I said, I try not to get too high or too Max, low because friendlies are completely different. The atmosphere, the mentality, the the pressure, the rhythm is different. But but yeah, Marcelo, Marcelo can't play against Ionikos, against Pazianina, against, uh, against Lamia, against the Exa- I'm so excited, fuck. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You're kind of stuck in 2020. No, I agree with you on that. Make a like, difference. Like I said, all I'm saying is I'm trying not to, get to, not to get too high, too low. And I advise the fans the same thing. Like, yeah, he did play really well, but got, we need a constant there. I try not to get, I try not to get carried away with friendlies. And that's what Mitzel is doing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yol was saying, honestly, guys, I'm done with Masuras and Gary. So disappointing. Their final, yeah, the final pass is just dreadful. It's night and day, man. When when Fortunis is on the ball on the left-hand side, like, you know, you know he has the quality to play the final ball. Uh, Masuras is frustrating. It, Maybe in a different setup, like Masuras will get that, that those chances that he likes on the far post, you know, with a one-touch finish or like a header on the far post. That's how he scores most of his goals. It's like one-touch finishes. And Gary, for me, if you're asking me about players who, you know, I would want to see go, he's one of them. He's just not reliable. Yeah. Not reliable enough. Um, I'm just looking through some of the comments we may have missed, Costa. Of course, of course. 
We have a question from Yorgos Halkias. What about Agibu? What's happening with him? I'll, I'll get it up for you. I'll get it up right here. There we go. That's a really good question. And I, I wanted to talk about him because I think he's he's got something. I think he's shown he's shown a different kind of determination and good attitudes in these friendlies too. Like he's good at pressing. He's good at intercepting. He's good at like recuperating the ball, putting pressure on opponents. Some of his passing today was good. I've been critical about his decision making and his his final his final ball, like you know, his passing and distribution in the final third. Made some good passes today in the final third. General improvement I've seen in decision making too and execution. I just don't know what this player's best position is. And I don't know if he can fit in this midfield with Hamid. Probably a number eight. Probably a number eight. But with Huang and Envila. Not Envila this much, but with Huang and Kasami probably uh, making a case. That creates problems. He, he doesn't get in the team. He doesn't get in the team. Maybe, and, and Samaseku, by the way, Samaseku, by the way, he's... Um, I liked what I saw from him today like it wasn't it wasn't like how to say it was very subtle but everything that he did was meaningful like it had it had an impact whether it was him getting in front of an attacker and making a, a tackle putting his body in the way of you know the opponent to you know control the ball or recuperate the ball and he was just, he was tidy. He's nothing, nothing fancy, just substance and no nonsense. And it was, you know, he's fit, he's fast, he's capable. He's a Does... really good player and it's a shame we haven't used him enough. And it's a shame he didn't arrive quickly enough to make the European list. It's, he's a really good player. Like you said it, like, you know, he's very tidy, he's very... Uh, results based. He 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 does what he must. He gets he gets the job done, and it's a real shame we haven't used him uh, enough. And it'd be a really real sh a, a huge shame if we don't use him in the second uh, half of the season, especially in the uh, the playoffs, who are bound, who are poised to be extremely uh, tense, extremely critical this season. That the, 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 these coming playoffs might be the most uh, critical playoffs in Greek football history. Three teams gunning for the title, maybe two. I don't know. I don't know how far Olympiakos will be there. But right now, as it looks, it's going to be really tense. A guy like Samaseko, you need him. Yeah, well, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. After this season, no more playoffs. That is if Olympiakos wins the playoffs. Do you, do you believe still? Do you believe Olympiakos yes. can pull it off? You believe yes. it? Yes. I'll ask you one. La I'll ask you a question when we're when we're closing the show. I got another question for you, and I'll tell yeah. you. I'll, and I will retort to what you just said. That's okay. that's going to be my retort. Okay. What else do we have? What else do we have? Ah, right. This came up. Is is there anything else about the game today? Anything that we may have missed, guys? In the chat. Have we missed something about the game? Is there something you'd like to ask us? Drop it in the chat. We'll tackle it 
I think that Nottingham yeah. game is going to be very crucial. I think that's going to be a lot of answers. A lot of questions will be will be answered for both teams actually, because Nottingham are also looking to hit the to hit the ground running. Obviously, Nottingham had a really had a big signing recently, didn't they? <laughs> We're going to get to that. So, ah, okay. I see. I, I see that there are more than more than thirty five forty people in the chat. And there are less than 30 likes. So, guys, mash that like button. Come on, guys. I mean, do you know a better, better non-Greek Olympiakos channel with this much quality? Come on. We bring, and we're going to bring you some more players soon, huh? We're going to bring you some more, some more Olympiakos legends, right? So, come on. Show us some love. Show some love. It's not like we're asking you for a donation. But if you would like to, if you would like to give us a donation, please pay all means. It not? helps the channel. It helps the channel. It helps keep us going. Oh, but yeah, guys. hitting the like button doesn't cost you anything. Anywho, uh, Gosta, you alluded to it, and this has no. been somewhat controversial. Uh, Gustavo Scarpa. So Gustavo Scarpa joined Nottingham Forest. Costa, do you want to? I mean, you're following this from the from the UK side of things, obviously. Like, do you want to do you want to weigh in weigh in on this before I? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, Gustavo Scarpa appears to have been a player that Pagelis Marinakis, I suppose, was really fond of him because uh, since the summer we have been hearing a lot of him either joining Olympiacos or joining Nottingham. During the summer, you and I, Costa, we have been hearing from very good sources that he's coming to Olympiacos. But obviously, I mean, Olympiacos have had an insane transfer window. I mean, they changed three managers, basically. And they ended up with four number 10s. Matteo Valbuena, Costas Fortunis, James Rodriguez, Pepiel. There was simply no reason to bring Scarpa at Olympiacos. Uh, I feel like probably Pedro Martins wanted Scarpa, but then when he left and uh, uh, Pablo and then Corberan replaced him, he wanted different things. And then Mitchell came in, and we all of a sudden we ended up with uh, with four number tens. Too many cooks that spoiled the broth, basically. So it made more sense for him to go uh, to Nottingham Forest. Scarpa uh, signed a three and a half year deal uh, that's going to see him earning a total of uh, five million pounds. That's three and a half year deal, almost five million pounds. He is very pleased to be at the uh, Nottingham Forest. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if, he, if that's the move he preferred to have. He's in great spirits and he's a player that could help them uh, a lot in the relegation battle. But then again, I do have a few questions as to how a number 10 is gonna fit at Nottingham Forest formation. Um, are they going to go for a 4-3-3? Will they go for a 4-2-3-1 to let him play as a number 10? Um, Steve Cooper tried a few things with a number 10 with Jesse Lingard and Morgan Morgan White. So I'm not too sure what the plan is there, but definitely a player with immense quality. Uh, one of the best players in the Brazilian league, if not the best, with Palmeiras. Uh, definitely a very interesting addition. And uh, I feel like... Uh, there's going to be something there. I feel like we're going to see a lot of quality from him uh, in this coming extremely uh, challenging second half of the Premier League season. Yeah, I think the th- one of the, the first things to say about this situation with Scarpa is just that it shows how quickly things can change or how things change in, with transfers. And 
I have to say that from our perspective as, as Gate 7 International, when we looked into this, it was early July and we were still in with a shot of Champions League football. And the word was that he was gonna he was gonna be joining Olympiagos in January. Under what statute? Most likely on loan. Yeah, that he would sign for Forest and come to us on loan, but he would be playing with us. And I think, you know, now that's been surfacing in the Greek press that, you know, the deal was about Champions League or it was about Europe and now Olympiakos isn't in Europe. So, you know, that any kind of hope of Scarpa coming to, to Greece dead in the water. Then, of course, there were the comments of the player himself saying that, you know, he spoke to... To Ferreira, Abel Ferreira, his coach in in Brazil, who was also the Pauk coach, who told him, you know, don't go to Greece, especially if they're not playing in, in European competition. And I think that that had a role. And at least Scarpa mentioned that in one of the many interviews where he was he seemed to be pressing the situation that I want to go to Forest. This is my dream. I want to play in England, etc. We spoke to English sources. When we, when we said that back in July, in early July, that Scarpa would be for Libyagos, we spoke to sources in England that told us there's nothing, like people at Forest know nothing about Scarpa. We talked to a lot of Forest journalists and other multiple sources. They knew nothing about this. And then the news came out of Brazil. Yeah. It's a very messy situation. And when you're talking about a kind of situation where there's an owner that owns two clubs, you know that there's always a little window for something to happen. Anyway, in the end... Um, I, no, I but end, during the Brazil, when the Brazil thing happened, our yeah. sources were still insisting he's coming to Olympiacos. Yeah. Because the Europe thing was probably still on the cut. It was it was technically on the card still. And it's not, it wasn't a lie. The Greek media weren't lying because that's the source. Yeah. That's the sources we had as well. And they were insisting it wasn't a lie, guys. Do you and know it didn't, start in, it didn't start in May? Do you know why? July, June. Do you, Do you know why I think people are pissed with Greek media? Is because the whole apparatus. Whenever they were asked about it, they were adamant. They were adamant that whatever happens on 1st of January, Gustavo Scarpa will play for Olympiacos. But that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. There was much more to all of this, like the Europe thing. Like, was it guaranteed that we would be playing Europa League or even conference? Nothing's guaranteed. You have to earn these successes. Like... So I think it was it, it was the way, the manner at which the, the journalists were so confident, to, you know, because they wanted to avoid a comms disaster. Mm. I think that's what people are a little bit annoyed over. But to each his own, you, you made the point, like things are very fluid in these kinds of transfers. But I, I can understand how some people may have been annoyed by the the mannerisms or just people being very confident about things that are very fluid and unpredictable, if I can call it that. But 
I don't know. Have we um, have we satisfied the uh, the crowds, the fans' uh, appetite on this uh, Scarpa situation? Manos Gate Seven says Scarpa will be begging to come to us <laughs> in the summer. Well, if Nottingham get relegated, you never know. But I mean, he said in an, in another yeah, one of the interviews he gave, he said even if they get relegated, he'd be prepared to play championship football. I mean, you know, let's let's see. But he did make that comment. I mean, you mentioned the other thing, Costa. Like, you know, between the the first kind of talk about Scarpa, we signed Pep Biel, we signed James Rodriguez. Costa Fortunis is now in in. Still he there. Good. He was supposed to leave. He was supposed to be a guard yeah. now. Yeah, he's he looks in good shape. We mentioned earlier. Um, what else have we got here? Yeah, good question from Nolan. Do you think Scarpa is better than Gibbs White, Brennan Johnson? Uh, don't forget Jesse Lingard. And this is one of the points that I've made a lot: is that what's his name, the manager? Uh, Cooper. Steve Cooper, yeah. Steve Cooper runs a tight ship. Um, and he's moved away from that 3-4-1-2 formation that he played yeah. last season. Yeah. He's been playing four at the back, 4-3-3, uh, and hasn't been playing with a striker. Like Brennan Johnson's been leading the line, sometimes Emmanuel Dennis, sometimes Taiwo Awanii. Yeah, but, we haven't been seeing that much of our knee being a regular leading. Yeah, he, he really hasn't. He yeah, really hasn't Dennis. been like a starter. But Morgan Gibbs White has been been employed as a as a winger, and so is Jesse Lingard. I think there's been one game Lingard plays played as a ten, and that was against Liverpool yeah. in the cup, where he played. I think his best game for Forest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And they played with a they played with two strikers. They played with uh, Sam Surridge and and Awanee, I think, in that game. Uh, but it, it kind of begs the question, like like Nolan says, do you take Brennan Johnson out? It's like a fan favorite, uh, a local boy. Do you take Brennan Johnson out and play Scarpa? Do you take Morgan Gibbs White, who you paid forty five million pounds for? Uh, the one thing Scarpa has that none of those players have is a left foot. He's the only left-footed attacking player that they have. I don't know. Can he adapt to the game that quickly and play in the Premier League? It's a player that won best play, like player of the year in Brazil, I think it was, yeah, yeah. this season. But can he adapt so quickly as to have an impact? And this is a relegation team, isn't it? It's a team that's struggling to stay in the league. Is Steve Cooper going to take that risk and play this guy immediately and take out a player like Gibbs White, who they played £45 million for? Or Jesse Lingard, who's one of the highest-earning players, even though he's on a one-year contract. If he doesn't play Lingard, it's like saying, OK, like you're not staying next year. I don't know. So I, I kind of I want to say it's a, it's a gamble for Scarpa as it is for Forrest. Absolutely. I mean, this is, I agree with your entire analysis, actually. And I'd just like to point out that, yes, Scarpa has joined a club that's, that's fighting to avoid relegation. It's extremely tough to fight for your survival in a top league. And it's even tougher to fight for your survival in the Premier League, which is the toughest league in the world. It's, it, it's tougher, it's quicker, it's harder. 
it's more excruciating. There's a lot of factors in this. That there's a, there's a fixture congestion, especially now in December, which of course he's not going to play because he's going to start in January. Uh, there's the weather. There's the early kickoffs, like you know you have to get up earlier and you know actually have lunch before the the, the twelve thirty kickoff. It's a lot of factors that he's not used to. But Brennan Johnson and Jesse Lingard are used to these things. They are used to English football. Scarpa's this is a, a challenge Scarpa has never had before. So it's really difficult to make that uh, uh, to, to make that to, 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 to that to, to actually compare them right now to make that comparison right now. So it's really difficult for me to uh, to answer. But there's a lot of important factors that are at play right now. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, guys, we're drawing to a close. Again, don't forget to hit the like button if you haven't done that yet. I've put a new poll in the chat. We touched on this earlier. Do you think that we can win the league? We've asked this question before on this show after the, the game before the mid-season tour in Spain started. I'll ask it again. Has your mind changed do you think that we can win the league? Yes, no. Before we finish tonight's episode, guys, don't forget to give us your answer there, yes or no. Um, Aris Galamatis is saying Skibe, that's the former manager of the Greek national team, played with three number 10s, Fortunis, Madalos and Perkas. Yeah, but Greece never really had any natural wingers, you could say. Um, so yeah, we did uh, We did see that under, under Skibe. Could see it at at Forest, technically, Gibbs White, Lingard, and Scarpa, maybe, maybe could see that. Do we uh, think someone? Someone just said that Skipe was a failure in the comment section, which is absolutely, in Bollocks. my opinion, it's quite wrong. Because, I mean, we were in a group with Belgium who were nowhere near the shit heel they are right now. They were, they were probably the best international team at the time. They finished third in the 2018 World Cup. Those were the qualifiers with the 2018 World Cup. We finished second behind them and actually picked a point in Brussels. And then we, we were unlucky to draw Croatia in the, um, in the playoffs. And we lost to the second best team. So we had the third best team in the world at the time. And then we were eliminated by the second best team. So no, Skibe was not a failure. He was not a shit coach. No, I mean... Uh... If I remember well, with Skibe, we got knocked out of the playoffs by Croatia, who then got to the yeah. final. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we were eliminated. It was the 20 team qualifiers, eliminated in the group stages by Belgium, the third best team, who finished third in the, the tournament. And then Croatia, who finished second, made the final. Eliminated England. Yeah. Red and white. I love that. Look at my eyes, DC says, guess who else doesn't have a left-footed attacker? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I follow there. Does he mean us? Does he mean Olympiacos? We've got Biel, we've got Hammers. Maybe maybe he wants to clarify. Anyway, I think I think we've reached the end. Costa. I got a question. I got a question. Oh, yeah, you, want, you had a question. I had a record. Realistically, what do you want from Olympiacos in the second half of the season? Realistically, fight for the league. Fight for the league. Yeah. I was a bit more of a pessimist before this. Like I was thinking, like, forget everything and finish second. 
But then I remember a conversation I had with a Nolibiacos official, and that is that Gate 7 International is here. Whenever Gate 7 International criticizes Olympiacos, they don't slam Olympiacos. They don't lambast Olympiacos. They, You're talking about us? About us, Gate 7 International. Yeah. We try to make sure that the bar is always high. Olympiacos are not a Greek team. They're a European team. They're, they have to be what Bayern Munich is in the Bundesliga. It has to be Olympiacos and everyone else. And so the bar needs to be high up. It needs to be a European team. So at first I was thinking to myself, forget about everything, forget the cup, you know, screw it, let that throw, those, you know, throw us out and just finish second because you need the Champions League. But you know what, you're Olympiacos, so you need to go for both. Yeah, you're 12 points behind, you know. I don't think that has ever happened, the team winning the league after not winning a single derby in the first round. I don't think that has ever happened, but you're Olympiacos, go for the cup and go for the league. So that's realistically what I think every Olympiacos fan should be feeling. Go for it. Go for the double. Screw it. Go for it. I learned this very early on in my professional life. This is outside football. Just as a as a professional working in my job, one of the people I worked for, she said to me, "You've always got to aim for your number one objective." So it's like I don't know. You're organizing an event and you wanna you wanna bring someone fancy it's like the president of this or like the secretary general of that whatever it is and you're like i know maybe i should try a bit lower because those are unrealistic objectives or that's going to be too hard like no you always try the top and if you don't get it you get the one underneath yeah so the way this season's gone it's important that we qualify for champions league Mm -hmm. first and second places go to champions league but as you said this is Olympiacos. Yeah. Every season, Olympiacos' objective has to be winning the league, winning the cup. Yeah. So the question is, like, do we think it's realistic? Do we think it's doable? Do we think, you know, has something changed in the way that we perceive things or the way we see the team after the performances in Spain that convince us that we can do it? And looking at the answers in the in the poll. Come on, guys, let's get some more votes before we close here. If you haven't voted and you're listening now, get into the votes. Give us your vote. Can we win the league? Yes or no? 59%, so 60% say yes, we can. 40% mm. say no right now. I think that's slightly up from when we last asked the question, but ever so slightly. It's a 12-point difference. But I think the league is going to be decided in the playoffs. It's up to us to make a good run. The first seven games that I mentioned, games we should be winning. And that's really it. That's really what will determine it. If we can get that good run, it will give the confidence to go into the harder games as well. And attacking, I've seen enough this game and last game, honestly. I'm going out on a limb here, but I've seen more from this team from an attacking point of view in today's game and the last game than, than we've seen all season from a creative like build-up point of view. We have quality players and it, it seems like the team is starting to come together. That that had to happen at some point. Like he 
Mitchell took a team as he wanted. He took a squad of 28 players, including four keepers, to Spain. That's what he wanted. He did it. And and through adversity and through all the shit and the difficulties, self-inflicted problems, etc., 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 the things that we've faced the last few months, this team had to it has to come together. No. And I've seen positive things from the last two games in Spain. We've still got the game against Forest too. That will be an indicator. But right now, I'm saying to myself, yes, we can. The 12-point gap for me isn't unbridgeable. And uh, TF91 says it's not realistic because of Baltacos. Um, the referees, etc. Was it easy for us the last few seasons? Were the refs on our side? No, they weren't. But we had, we always had the better team. And that's all we need to... Yeah, we've been frustrated by some refereeing decisions this season. In our games, in other games. All we can do is focus on ourselves and focus on improve, improving as a team to go out every weekend or every time we play a game and go out and win on yeah. merit and with the performance. That's all yeah. we need to that's all we need to care about. And with a view to next season too. And having a team that we like to watch. It's been hard being an Olympiacos fan the last few months, but you know, where you know fans support through the good and the bad. That's exactly. What we, that's what we do. Exactly. And we don't talk about referees at Gate 7 International anyway, so, you know. Rarely. Very rarely. Rarely. I, I, I return the question to you. Can we win the league? Have, have I changed your mind? Have I convinced you that it's doable? I, tr I honestly believe this is going to be the most exciting playoffs in Greek football history. Like when they when they introduced the Greek playoffs, they the, the excuse was we want to make the Greek league more entertaining. And it wasn't. Like you still saw Libyakos just breezing through and beating them all like they're nothing. The league this was over in December every year. Exactly. Almost. Exactly. Like it, it meant nothing. And I was very worried about this because I was thinking, what if like Olympiacos are obviously the best team and they're like, nine points ahead and then three of their best players get injured and then like a team like Pauk put together a, a, a crazy comeback they win the league and you send your word you send a worse um a worse representative in the champions league qualifiers and that kind of ruins uh the uh the, 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 that, that 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 how do you call it in english the table the table the wefa the wefa the coefficient that coefficient. the coefficient yes it didn't happen, but still, like it still wasn't entertaining. But this season, it's going to be really entertaining. I could see this being a three-way horse, a, a, a three-way race. Sorry, a three-way race. You never know. I truly, I, I, I believe Olympiacos have what it takes to win it. I believe Olympiacos have what it takes to, uh, to breathe down Ike and Panathinaikos' necks. Maybe it's I'm a good, not. It's a good sorry? test of character. It's a good test of character for the players, exactly. for the team, for everyone involved. And there's a no challenge. Europe now. There's no Europe. This midseason could prove to be critical. I mean, good performances so far, good results. If their confidence improves, if they come back thinking, you know what, you know, forget about the first half of the season, never happened. We're only Biakos. We're going to win everything. Mitchell is really good at that. He had it from his time at Real. He has that arrogance, let's call it, that arrogance that we're better than everyone else from his time at Real. 
he did it with Olympiacos in his first stint. He has to do it here again. Like, forget what happened the first in the first half. Yes, we didn't beat anyone big, but now we're going to beat them all. And on that note, I think that's a um, perfect way to end today. Costa, anything else from your side? No, no, I think, uh, I, think, I think we covered everything. Guys, don't forget to subscribe and like. And obviously, don't forget to support the team. You know, difficult season, but, you know, got to support the team. You got to stand by the players and the managers. You know, like I said, this is going to be an exciting playoff season. It's... Well, guys, next game is going to be the 10th of December at the Karaiskagi against Nottingham Forest. That's the next one to look forward to. I think we are going to set up a little preview. We're going to try yeah. and get uh, Mr. Door that was in the comments earlier today asking us about That'd a preview of that game. We can, we can organise that and we can talk to our little, little brothers, little cousins at <laughs> Nottingham Forest, whatever you want to call them. So we'll set that up and um, yeah, keep it locked. Don't forget to like before you go. Subscribe if you're tuning in for the first time. We're Gate 7 International, your number one English source for all things Olympiagos by the fans, for the fans. We'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,